Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, and I want to share with you for a few moments this morning some thoughts from this idea about having an encounter with Jesus. And uh, of course, as uh, we have stated the last several uh, weeks leading into this time of Project Reach, as we uh, believe that it is God's desire, and we know it's God's plan for all of us as His people to reach up and to glorify Him, to Him be glory in the church, that we reach up and glorify Jesus. And how do we do that? And there are many ways in which we can do that. I can think of no better way to glorify God than by reaching out to those who do not have a relationship with Jesus and by reaching in and and ministering to each other and taking care of the family of God to fulfill the great commission of going into all the world and to fulfill the great commandment of loving our neighbor as ourselves, to do good to all those, especially those who are of the household of faith. And as we have listened to feedback from our congregation back before COVID, that was a couple of decades ago, it seems like, and uh, we, we believe that one of the ways we can reach out is by providing a consolidated place for children's ministry. And, and that's what uh, we've been talking about uh, in, in the aspects, the nuts and bolts of Project Reach. And you have had plenty of opportunity to get that information. And this being Commitment Sunday, as I said earlier, in a little while we'll give you more instructions about that. But I wanted us to think about understanding what an encounter with Jesus will, will, will make the difference it will make in our lives and the impact it will make in our lives. And we're going to look at a man by the name of Joshua because you see, as we, we think about this, we think about the impact we make, uh, let me just put it to you this way. Have you ever noticed, this is football season, right? And uh, for, for, for some of our teams, it didn't fare too well. Some of our teams couldn't correctly down the ball yesterday. And uh, s- some teams, you know, we struggled. But this is football season. I am amazed at the number of experts who sit in stands at football games. I mean, it's like they know, it's almost like they invented the sport. And there's been a few times that I have been tempted, and this is my flesh, and, and I have tried to keep it under control. I've wanted to turn around and ask the folks, with all this knowledge I'm hearing you spit and feeling you spit on me, why in the world are you in the stands? Why aren't you down there on the field, buddy? Now, uh-oh, am I meddling now? Am I talking to some of you that you're like, ooh, that's me, and I said that behind the pastor one time at a ball game. See, there's a difference in being a spectator and a participant. 
There's a, a difference in someone who is setting up in the stands and someone who is on the sidelines. There's a reason they pay those guys to do what they do. They, they have a little bit more insight than those of us who set up in the stands. There's a difference in someone who is participating and someone who is just spectating. There's a difference not only in football games. There's a difference in the mission of God between those who are consumers of ministry and those who are contributors of ministry. And I believe that when we have an encounter with Jesus that it moves our mindset from one of being a consumer to one of being a contributor to someone who is not so much concerned about what someone else can do for me or even what God can do for me, but about what I can do for God. And, and I certainly hope that as we have been thinking about Project Reach and, and even outside the building portion of it. I hope that you will understand that reaching up and glorifying God in numerous ways, that that is something that we are to be a participant in doing, not just a spectator. That in reaching out to our community, again, not just through a building project, but it may include that, but beyond that, in everyday gospel conversations, as we seek to reach out, we're not called to be on the sidelines of that. We are called to get out and to get involved in that. And as, as we think about reaching in and ministering to each other, that that's something that, that we don't just need to have head knowledge about what to do, but actually do something with the knowledge that we have. And I think one of the things that will change the dynamic of our heart in doing that, and I've said this before uh, to you in, in this series, I, I, I can't preach you into generosity. I can't preach you into giving. I can't can't preach you into stewardship. Those are matters of the heart. Those are things that God must change in, in our hearts to cause us to be more like Jesus. But I'm thoroughly convinced through my personal experience and through what I read and understand from Scripture that when we meet Jesus, when we have encounters with Jesus, it makes us more like Jesus. And so today we're going to see where a man by the name of Joshua is going to have have this encounter with Jesus. Now, Joshua, as you recall, was the right-hand man for a while of Moses, and, and he was there when Moses was doing great things in leading the people of God out. But now, when the book of Joshua opens, Moses is dead and gone, and, and Joshua is the leader. And when we get to chapter 5, this is right on the eve of a big battle that Joshua's going to have, the battle of Jericho. This is going to be the, the first time that, that Joshua, his leadership, has really been tested. And it's going to be the first time that he's going to lead these men into a big battle in which they are going to be outnumbered, in which they're going to be overpowered. This is going to be a test of his leadership. And there's no doubt in my mind that Joshua has to be nervous that night. He has to be a little bit 
bit on edge. He has to be wondering what's going to happen on the next day. So maybe he goes out that night and, and maybe he's praying. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I know what happens when he goes out that night before this battle. He encounters someone in Joshua chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The big question before we look at any, any of the specifics of the text is, Who is this man that Joshua encounters? And think there are a few clues in the text that help us answer uh, that question. He's called the commander of the Lord's army. You notice that when Joshua worshiped him, this commander did not rebuke him for his worship. And when this stranger speaks to Joshua over in chapter 6, this stranger is referred to as the Lord. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the box or the knife in the drawer or anything else. But even I can figure out that this is talking about Jesus. Theologians, they have a term for this, and they, they, they use it when they talk about the Old Testament uh, incidents when Jesus, before he is born on earth, before he arrives in a manger, that he will sometimes appear in the Old Testament. And this is one of those encounters. This is Joshua having an encounter with a pre-incarnate Jesus with God in human form. And his encounter with this Old Testament version, if you will, of Jesus mirrors any encounter that Jesus has with anyone in Scripture, and it mirrors any encounter that we truly have with Jesus today. And I want to share with you for just a few moments what an encounter with Jesus involves and then show you how that impacts the stewardship of our lives, how that impacts how we spend our time, how that impacts what we do with our lives, how that impacts our money and our possessions and our stuff, how that impacts our family. Because Jesus, and I'm about to give you a chance to say amen, so say it, or I can go for a long time this morning. Because when we encounter Jesus, it changes everything. Everything. What happens when we encounter Jesus? First, encountering Jesus involves our surrender, not his. It involves our surrender. It's interesting happens in verse 13. <laughs> Joshua said, are you for us? Or for our adversaries? And the commander said, no. 
That's not a yes or no question. <laughs> Joshua didn't say, say yes or no, or fill in the blank, or check the box. He said, are you on our side of Cyrus? And, and Jesus says, no. No means, Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not if the Lord was on Joshua's side. The question was, was Joshua on the Lord's side? You see, Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus does not come to us as someone we must convince to get on our side. Jesus comes to us as someone to whom we must surrender. It wasn't up to Joshua for him to ask God whose side he was on. It was up to Joshua to declare his allegiance. So let me ask you, how do you <coughs> approach God? Are you trying to convince God to join your side? Or are you saying, God, here I am. Whatever side you're on, that's the side I am on. You see, the mission of Jesus was to save sinners. The mission of Jesus was to make disciples. The mission of Jesus was to build his church. Have you joined him on that mission? Are you up in the stands spectating? Or are you on the mission field doing what God's called you to do, participating? Are you just trying to be a consumer to get all the benefits of a relationship with Jesus, but you're not interested in being a contributor to the mission of God in this world today. Here is the practical impact for our lives. When it comes to our resources, when it comes to our money, when it comes to our possessions, rather than asking, how much do I have to give God so I can carry on with my life knowing that he's on my side? Instead of asking that question, you should view all of your resources as his given to you from him for his purposes and for his mission and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've given me? It's all yours anyway, so I'm surrendering whatever it is you're calling me to do. I'm surrendering it all to you. An encounter with Jesus will always involve submission. Number two, encountering Jesus involves following. It involves following. This man is the captain of the Lord's army. There are a lot of things I don't know about God. I'll tell you something I do know about God. He doesn't need me to help him win. <laughs> Not one time has God said, man, if I just had Russell involved. <laughs> he doesn't need me on the field for him to win the ball game. He invites me onto that field so he can accomplish the victory for him through me. Joshua is on the eve of this battle. 
And God doesn't need him to fight this battle in order for God to win this battle. God is going to use Joshua in the battle, but that's different than God needing Joshua as an ingredient of the recipe for victory. In fact, for time's sake, we won't look at it, but you get to chapter 6, God told, told Joshua to do something pretty odd, to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times to blow the trumpets, and then God said that he would knock the walls down. God didn't need Joshua to shout for God to knock down the walls. God could have done that himself, but he chose to use Joshua. We need to remember in our journey with Jesus, we need to remember that at no point does God tell us to go and fight the battle for him as if we are needed to guarantee his victory. Instead, God invites us to follow him as he fights his battle through us. See, in Matthew 28, Jesus gave his disciples and the church the great commission. He said, go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to serve all that I've commanded you, and along with you always, even to the end of the age. And then after he told them that, he said, now that I've told you to go, I want you to go and wait in the book of Acts chapter 1, go and wait until my Holy Spirit comes. That seems to contradict itself. That in one second, Jesus says to go, and then he tells them, to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? Jesus wanted them to understand that they weren't going to be the ones to build his church for him, but that he would build his church through them. See, this impacts how I live my life. This impacts how I approach the mission of God for my life. This impacts how I reach up. This impacts how I reach out. This impacts how I reach in. The question is not how do I accomplish the mission of God myself and save the world, but simply the question is what has the Holy Spirit given me to do? What is his role for me? What has he chosen for me to do in this moment? Our task is simply to follow and obey what God instructs us to do. Our job is to wake up every day with a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, show me where you want to use me today. Put words in my mouth to encourage others and to tell them about Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow. He doesn't need us to do anything for him, but he invites us to let him do the impossible through us. Listen, God can do more with five loaves and two fish in one minute than the most richest, the most powerful person on earth can do in a hundred lifetimes if we simply follow him and encountering Jesus means we follow Jesus. Third, encountering Jesus involves worship. It involves worship. Joshua reacts to encountering the Lord here by falling on his face in worship, and then he takes off his shoes. It was an Old Testament sign of deep reverence and respect for something very holy. 
God's desire in every encounter we have with him will be for us to worship him. He doesn't need our skill. He doesn't need our strength. He can knock the walls down by himself. What he wants is our hearts. He wants our worship. He wants to receive the ultimate value, the ultimate priority in your life. He wants to be that person whom you seek more than anyone else. You see, many people look to their pocketbook, and many people look to their bank account for their significance and for their security, and that causes them to worship what they have instead of the one who has given us all things. Jesus wants to replace your bank account with him, the value of it. He wants you to replace the value you place on your wallet with him. He wants you to replace the value you have of your stuff with him. He wants you to replace the, the value you have of, with all the toys and trinkets with him one of the reasons that God commands his followers of Jesus to give isn't to get money out of our pockets. It's to get idols out of our hearts. Because giving generosity, it is a worship issue. It is a heart issue. Jesus wants to be the primary source of significance and security so we can say, Lord, I don't need to have all this significance in my life because you give my life significance. I don't need to spend everything I have on, on filling my life with, with pleasures because you are my pleasure. I don't need to, to save everything I have for my security because you are my security. Jesus, let me tell you this morning, Jesus is such a better God than money or possessions. He never loses value. He never enters a recession. His value is not dependent upon who sits in an Oval Office or who governs a nation. He is worth it all. Giving problems are worship problems. If you can't be generous, it's because you're looking at something other than Jesus as the source of pleasure and security. In Christ, I can give up all I have because in Christ, I have all that I need. Y'all missed that one right there. That was a good one. In Christ, if he calls me to it, I can give up all I have because in Christ, I truly have all I need. This is why part of Project Reach, what we're asking you to do is to, is to be generous, is to give. Because our worship is connected to our giving. Our worship of God as we give to God, whether you give an offering every week, whether you give it once a month, whether whatever frequency, when you give an offering to God, that's an act of worship. Oh, now, you can get mechanical about it. You can get a little pharisaical about it. 
You can get a little bit, well, I've got to do this, or I think God's going to get me about it. And that doesn't, it, that, that's not worship. But when you come into the presence of God and you say, God, I'm going to give to you today, not because you need it, God, but because I need it. Because you've been so good to me, may I give so other people can hear the gospel, so the family of God can be ministered to. In just a second, we're going to, to Paul's. The sermon's not over. I've got one more point that's pretty short, depending upon your faces. <laughs> but we're going to pause right here, and we're going to give as an act of worship. Everyone have a Project Reach envelope? If you don't have one, just stick your hand up in the air, Balcony downstairs. If you don't have one, we'll make sure you have one. Now, if you, oh, if you open that up, if you will open that up and look at that commitment card, you'll see on one side it has Project Reach. It's got reaching up, reaching out, reaching in to remind you of what this is. But this is the, the, the giving we've been asking you to, to pray about how God would have you participate. And this is the Sunday in which you make that commitment. Now, maybe God is still working on your heart about this. If so, just say on there, God's still working on my heart, okay? That's, that's perfectly fine. But on the back of that card, it's, it's very simple. It just asks for a couple pieces of information your name, address, etc. And then assuming that you've given prayerful consideration, it has an option for you there to say, after prayerful consideration, it's my or my family's intention to give the following toward Project Reach. And our Project Reach is going to uh, provide the funds, we pray, for us to uh, construct a, a, a consolidated building where ministry for our infants up through fifth grade, our children, can take place uh, because this is uh, among the largest demographic in our area. This is in our Jerusalem. This, these are the people to whom God's called us to reach. And he's called us to minister to all people. We're not excluding any demographic or any generation, but specifically believing that this is a step that will help us more efficiently and effectively be able to reach out to those families. So you've prayed through that. You've come to a determination of what you'd like to give, what you'd like to pledge over the next 30 months. Maybe today you brought a first fruits offering or your first offering and you take just a second and complete that. I'm going to pray. And here's what's going to happen. After I pray, we're going to give you the opportunity to, as a family or as an individual, to come and to place your offering for this particular project. And how that will start is that I will pray. After I pray, the choir is going to go first so they can go and get back. And you can come down, and, and you've got a couple options. If you're physically able and desirous to do so, you can walk over any one of these bridges here, place your offering in one of these two receptacles. This is the offering for Project Reach, your commitment, and then you walk over that bridge. If this bridge is a little steep for you, you can walk to the side. There's a password. You tell Miss Holly, she'll move her walker there, and once that password's given, <laughs> the password is, my pastor is my favorite pastor. That's a password. 
and you can, you can just walk. If you don't want to walk over the bridge, you can just walk on the sides there. And if, if you can't make it over this bridge, just come right here beside the bridge and place your offering there. Now, as you do that, and you may not be physically able to do that, that's perfectly fine. There may be someone in your family who can do that, or there may be someone that you can just hand an envelope to, and they will do it for you. We'll have a couple of our deacons here to, to help you during that process. Again, sermon's not over. Don't give and leave. We've got one more brief point. We want to give you this opportunity to publicly as a church family say, you know what, this is how God is leading me. Maybe God is leading you right now to be a person of prayer who will pray over it. Indicate that. We're not going to send a collection agency. We're not going to send anything like that. Hey, this is your commitment. I'm going to pray. After I pray, our choir will go first, and I'll give instruction to each section to come forward, place your offering there, return to your seat in a prayerful attitude and spirit, pray for God to move on hearts, and then once we do that, I'll show you one more thing that's exciting from Joshua's encounter, and then we'll have our regular invitation. If you brought a regular, your, your normal tithe and offering, just hang on to it, because as soon as we go through this process, these boxes are taken out, they're dumped into a, a, a lockbox, and the boxes, the receptacles will be out available for you to use for your regular tithe and offering if you brought that today, okay? Let's bow and pray. Father, as we come before you today desiring to uh, make a commitment in this regard, I pray that your Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts, that you've led us and that today we simply are responding to what you have said. We, we've put our yes on the table for what you've called us to do in regards to Project Reach. Father, may this be more than just dropping an envelope in a receptacle. But may we realize that these bridges are symbolic of the bridges that need to be built between our church and our community bridges that we can cross and minister to each other but ultimately that they would show us pointing upward towards you to give honor and glory take what we're about to give today and multiply it use it only as you can in the good name of jesus i pray worship but i want to leave you with something that's very important encountering jesus always involves a victory it always involves a victory. In fact, if you look at, at verse 13, that when Joshua encountered the Lord, it says that the Lord was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. The Lord's sword is drawn. He is ready to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has never raised his sword and lost a battle. Every time he raises his sword, he's victorious. When Jesus gives us the great commission, he says all power, all authority, 
is given to me in heaven and earth, therefore go. He is essentially raising his sword. Victory in the mission of God is assured and guaranteed. The great commission begins with a great announcement that God has drawn his sword for his people to experience victory. And let me share with you in whatever area of your life you surrender to God, God will do great things through your sacrifice and through your generosity. His purpose and ours is not to build a building, but to use a building as a vehicle, as a tool through which God will accomplish his great commission because the souls of people are worth it and because Jesus has promised us victory as we follow him. So as you seek where you are in your relationship with Jesus. My question simply to you this morning is, are you following him? In just a second, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing and do simply what Jesus has asked us to do, surrender our all, our, our, our all to him. Whatever it is that God's placed upon your heart, maybe God has put a person on your heart that you know needs the Lord. Will you surrender all of your fear to take the step to share the gospel of Jesus with them? Maybe Jesus is calling you to follow him in salvation. Would you this morning... Listen to this. Would you surrender your sin to him so he can give you salvation and righteousness? Whatever God, whatever table God's put in front of you today, will you just put your yes on that table? So after I pray, we want to stand and sing. You simply do what God's calling you to do. Father God, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that in you we can do all that you've called us to do because you are faithful and you are worthy. In the good name of Jesus we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.